It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode, a special episode of It's About to Go Down. I'm Mark Williams. I'm Kathy Armias. And, you know, well, who we have live with us today, which is awesome, we have Trish, who's calling in from Australia, and Sophia. And so we, we I think we've got our, we got our bases covered on distance, Mark. But what we're going to do today is go over everybody of season six, right? We're going to go down the list and talk about what we talked about and recap. But we get a special, we get a special, um, you know, we're going to go deep with both Trish and Sophia today. It's going to be awesome. Did you say season six? This is a half dozen. This is half dozen right it is. here. It's, it's, this is it's awesome. a half a dozen. <laughs> and, and Trish and Sophia are part of that special number six. Thank you, Trish, and thank you, Sophia, for being a part of this. And thank you to all of the people who joined us for season six. Even though you're not physically present with us now, we are so thankful for everything that you have brought to these idea conversations. For everybody who's watching, we're so appreciative of you joining us for these conversations that we've had with so many brilliant people. Can I warm up your head anymore, Sophia, Trish? Can I warm up your head anymore? You're absolutely amazing. And we, as we always do with our wrap up shows, we're gonna take you through a couple of people who have contributed to this season. And of course, take a pit stop to talk to Trisha Sophia. So Kathy, if you remember season six, many, 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 many months ago, started with an Olympic rugby player. Yep. Carlin Isles who started with football and then found, actually started as an adopted child, mm-hmm. who then got into sports, track and football, but eventually found his way to rugby. And he made it a goal to be the fastest rugby player on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he achieved that goal. Olympic athlete in all. And when he had a conversation with us, Kathy, he was talking about his story and his journey. And when we were done with the end of that conversation, we had this metaphor of the picture. And I remember he said this, you can either paint your picture or your picture will paint you. Ooh, ooh. Right? Yeah. Right? Yep. And it, it just says so much about how we need to take accountability for the things that happen in our lives. Yes, he came from an adopted home. Yes, he came from a lot of struggle, but he would not have been the Olympic athlete. And by the way, an Olympic athlete who was taking college courses at the <laughs> same time while he was in the Olympic <laughs> Like, how do you do both of those things? <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know. Ask Michael Phelps. I don't know if he's ever done that or Simone Biles. I don't know if they've ever done that. But Carlin Isles did that. And it was so awesome to have that conversation about painting your picture or your picture will paint you. Mm, I love that, Mark. That's awesome. What a great what a great kind of summary from our, our season opener with, with Carlin. And I, I just couldn't believe I was talking to the fastest man in the world. And, you know, I, I was reading about that because I was like, what? Really? Like, isn't Usain Bolt faster, but you know, if you just take a little piece of Carlin, like the, you know, cause he's running a little bit different in rugby, he's actually faster in like the first 50 yards or something. So that's incredible. Yes. Um, that's awesome. So we had Mark, our, our second, the second guest that we had on our show for season six was Leo Flowers. And if you remember, I have this funny story of how I met Leo, because I was just walking around Marina Del Rey in California and I was walking around and I was doing a gig for a client and he was walking around and we kind of ran into each other. And then we, I don't know why we started talking about books and things, but we both realized we both loved to, to read books. And then I told him why I was there. And he said, you know, I have a podcast and would you be on my podcast? And I'm like, but how? And he's like, I'm going to call. And he, ha- he also had somebody he did the podcast with. 
he called his partner over. They came to my hotel and we did, we did an episode in the hotel right then and there. So we became fast friends. And I love what Leo brought on to our show, Mark, because he was, remember he was talking about how do you make yourself franch franchisable? Like, how do you make yourself franchisable? And I love this concept that we talked about because really when we got into the nitty gritty and the details of it, it, there was a lot of things that we talked about. Like, how do you differentiate yourself from somebody else? But how do you make it so that you become a brand? How do you make it, like, especially in his world, being a comedian, how do you make yourself be something that could be, um, you know, that people would look to like, you know, franchise, like how do you franchise a person? I mean, remember you having that conversation and I love that. Um, one of the things that he said that you pulled out that I really loved is not everyone needs to be out front to lead too. Cause we got into this conversation about that. He's like, you, you always think it's like that you have to be out in the front to lead. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's not necessarily what makes somebody or something franchisable. So that, that was the thing I think that I, that I loved from that episode. That was pretty awesome. Can I pause for a second and ask Sophia and Trish? Yeah. What do you think about that? You don't always have to be out in the lead, right? Or out in front to, to kind of, to, to lead. What do you think about that? Can I go, Sophia? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to lead for sure. Um, it's, you know, from the perspective of a solopreneur or entrepreneur, you know, and you're starting a company, you have that question of like, how much of the brand am I? Which is, I think, part of the who's leading, what does leadership look like for this team? Who do I want to be in this role? And so, you know, I've built a brand that's not my name or around me because I don't want it to be about me. And so, but there's plenty of other brands where it's really people follow the personality and that's the main focus. So I think it's like how much you are out front depends on what your goals are for yourself and the brand. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that I think there are times when you can actually lead from within a group rather than be that visible uh, leader out the front. There are other times when you probably may need to be that visible leader out the front. It really is a situational thing when it comes to leadership. So I think we often see people in organisations that don't have a formal title and they're not in a formal leadership position, but they're actually the person that everybody looks to. They're mm -hmm. not leading from the front. They're actually leading from within. And they're really important people in an organisation if you're working with them as well, because if you want to imp implement change, then that's the person you've got to convince. When you convince that leader from within about the change, they bring everybody with them. And the change is so much easier to implement at that point in time. Mm. Love that. Love that love, as well. Love that. I, yes. I love that. I think that they would have really enjoyed that conversation with Leo. Yeah. He, he kind of had the same sentiment about something. I, Sophia bringing up, you know, he talked specifically about that. He was like, like, I'm a comedian. Like people expect me to be the brand or you know me to be the thing that's franchisable and it's not always like that as Sophia pointed out very but, cool thank you for those thoughts yeah nice all right Kathy I think we have Red Ray next right yeah we have our third third guest you want to tell us about Red Ray um you're going to tell us about Red Ray oh I, <laughs> I mean I can tell you about Red Ray if you want me to but <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> live, right? Here's what I remember <laughs> about Red Ray. Red Ray was the first person or one of the first people that we've ever had a conversation with who we then had the idea to do a bonus episode based on the conversation that we had after the actual episode. And he told us some stories. All I remember, and I don't remember all the details, but the story he told us about how he met uh, Clavillis and Cole, CNC Music Factory, the producers behind CNC Music Factory, and the fact that he was on the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> Not once, right? <laughs> <But> twice. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and 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 Red Ray got by by the way, we we definitely have to put this in the link and send it out again. The music that Red Ray puts together is 
absolutely awesome. Um, and I got an opportunity, especially after the episode, to go on YouTube and listen to his music. And, and this guy is so incredibly talented. And it was so interesting, our conversation with him, because he talked about coming from this, this family and, 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 and how music was such a part of it. But then he, he, he ended up talking about, and you would think that he was the kind of person who, you know, it was in the music and was into this and said yes to this and said yes to that. And he kind of brought up this whole thing that sometimes we can be very reluctant to agree to things, even if we have a passion for it, right? And that's because of our fears and, you know, our concerns and whether we're thinking about judgment or whether we're not good at things. And he learned very early on the power, ooh, let me say this correctly, mm. not just the power of saying yes, but the power of saying yes anyway. Mm, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of your fears or your concerns, saying yes anyway, because you never know what will happen as a result of you saying yes. Remember that, Kathy? I do remember that because I remember, and again, like Mark, you always point out these great quotes, but I remember that he had said a quote, like it's hard enough uh, to do things when everything's falling into place. So imagine how hard it is to do it when they're not falling into place or you're unsure of how things are gonna go. And so it's the it was the power of saying yes anyways. Like, I love yeah. that. And there, yeah. and there was this other phrase that he said that I love that I think I'm going to be such a teacher and tell everybody, write this phrase down. All right, everybody, faith, grab their pens. <laughs> faith move. What is your faith move? Mm. Right? Because that's the whole idea of having faith in whatever it is that you're going to say to. So move yourself to, to follow your faith and to say yes anyway. So I love the phrase faith move. And, you know, I always say Kathy is the concept queen. So um, any kind of phrases like that just always really stand out to me. So really enjoyed moves, having yeah. Red Bird. Yes. Oh, okay. really enjoyed having that conversation with Red Bird. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too, Mark. So yeah, so Red Bird was number three. And number four, we went to Scott Mason. And wow, I remember the first time I met Scott, I was like, this guy, he reminded me of the Energizer, Energizer Bunny. Like I was like, it, it wasn't like, it's just how much power and energy and and focus he has when he's speaking and talking and so we just had like I felt like it was a really power-packed conversation and talking to him and he gets really deep on his concepts you know he has this concept of like you know bringing in uh you know mythology to to what he's talking about and I remember some of the conversation which was really fun and I think he really clung on to it was that like you know we might need to broaden it for the audience a little bit in case they're not following along or tracking along with something that he's as geeky about. So give them kind of an entry point, you know? Um, and so that conversation was really good, but you know, he does call himself the myth slayer like that. <laughs> I love it when people come onto our shows and they're like, you know, what's, what's your title? What are you? And he's like, I am the myth slayer. And so kind of, we, we talked about that and you know, how he kind of helps people unravel their own myths about themselves. You know, like what are, what could we be saying? What are the myths that we're saying about ourselves? And going back to quotes, cause I, I love this. You always pull out these great quotes, Mark. I give you all credit for these. You always hear that thing that somebody says, you know, and you know, one of the things that Scott said that I thought was pretty cool is, how can you see the light when you've forgotten what it looks like? How can you see the light when you've forgotten what it's look what what it looks like? That's a great one. That's and so he gave one. us five. He he. This is a great one, y'all. Anybody watching? He ran through five toxic myths that most people have about themselves, and so it was pretty cool. It was. So I can't tell you what those are. You have to go watch the episode. That's where it's at. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you watch the episode, there's a question that came up towards the end. And Kathy, this is why you and I love this whole coaching process, because sometimes Trish and Sophia, you'll, you'll, you'll probably remember this. Sometimes there's just a word that you say or a phrase that you say, and you may not think much of it but it keeps popping up. And for Scott, the word that kept coming up was magnetize. Mm -hmm. and, and he had not really, it was just a part of his vernacular. He didn't really put any particular emphasis on it beforehand, 
But then as we were talking about it, it turned into not just only a word, but the main word in the question, which was, what are you magnetizing in your life? Yeah. And that was powerful because he said, life is not attracted to you because you attract life. Oh, so see, you, you pulled on another one, Mark. <laughs> oh, I, I did my that. homework, Kathy. I did you my did. Homework. Wow, that was great. I, I remember that. That was awesome. All right, I'm going to put Trish and Sophia back on, on, on the hot plate and the hot okay. seat. Okay, yeah. hot seat. What are you magnetizing in your life? What are you attracting to your life that is good right now? I love that. Such a great question. I think for me, it's uh, enthusiasm in other people. So I'm very passionate and enthusiastic about what I do. And that is attracting others that feel the same way in my field. And so starting to, to really continue to build that coalition of, of people passionate about communicating in process safety. Mm. Love that. Yeah, I would say something similar. I feel like I'm attracting a lot of great energy, people with really great energy. And so, yes, passion and enthusiasm, but also um, there's something about it dedicated or committed or like they're on a mission, on the same mission. So like, I feel like I'm attracting my tribe mm. or more of my tribe. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Sophia, I'll tell you what you are attracting. Yeah. You're attracting words like dedicated and committed. And here's why I know you're attracted to these words. Because I got to tell you, since we had our conversation, I have turned certain good things that I thought I was doing into, into good things that I was doing more often, mm. right? You have helped me to transform good things into good habits. So, Sophia. <laughs> Tell us, because uh, Trish, Trish might have seen the episode or not, I don't know, but tell us about what you were talking to us about and what have you been doing with your ideas since we last had a conversation? I can't wait to catch up with you on this. Um, so to backspace or like to backstep just a little bit, we first started talking about you know, what's the difference between wellness and well-being and why should companies and workplaces make that shift? And then that segued into this exploration of, you know, what are we doing wrong as individuals? What are companies doing wrong? And we came up with this collectively, this awesome term, I think mostly Kathy, um, which was <laughs> um, <clears throat> superficial cycles. Mm -hmm. and so, is it a superficial cycle? And so Initially, it was interesting in our conversation because we came up with this, okay, what are we doing that's superficial in terms of what are we expecting great outcomes, but it's too shallow, or for some reason, it's not the right thing, or as we identified, not often enough. And so Mark mm -hmm. shared this morning meditation habit that he has and looking at, well, maybe that's not often enough, and maybe that's why it's superficial. So I'm excited to explore a little bit further. I started thinking about that a lot more and thinking about what we were think, talking about, how the things that we all three brought up. And so, you know, like, Kathy, what did you bring up? You brought up, where's my notes? What was your example? You were losing sleep, but oh, my oh I was like, I was like, oh my God, I do a lot of superficial cycles. <laughs> So you were doing some great self-care. And so that's awesome. But sleep was suffering. So uh, mm -hmm. I was just, and then also thinking about the, the ideas that we were talking about, you know, those things I would say are not superficial. And mm -hmm. here's why. I feel like they are small steps that are really important that are a part of the big picture. And so it would be superficial, Mark, if you were you know, in your med 10 minutes of meditation and then snapping at your kids to be quiet so you could meditate. That would be superficial, right? <laughs> not, not actually getting into the Zen mode of like <laughs> my day with a positive, relaxed, you know, focused mindset. That is great. And so could you do more of that? Could you do it more often? Well, yeah. And so, but there, there's no... It's the value of that small step that you're taking, that you were taking then, 
is huge because the solution, and I started thinking about ideas. I think some, in many ways, I think what I've learned over like almost 30 years of being in well-being in one way or another is that it's not about the one big thing. It's not the one big step. Just like, you know, you're not going to sleep one good night of sleep and then suddenly you're going to be better. And it's those accumulation of small choices, small steps, you know, tiny habits, whatever you want to call them along the way. And so I think from a, I translated this into a personal growth exploration of like, well, all the things that I have learned and grown, the ways I've grown have come from a lot of little ideas. And so not necessarily was there one big idea. So like, there's not only one Ted talk that sweeps all the other ones off the table. It's all those little ideas. And if we can implement small steps and small ideas to make little shifts, that will eventually make a big impact if we keep doing that. And so I don't know what you make of that, but I wanted to throw that out there and see what your thoughts were. Mm. Mark? Oh, man. I thought you, I thought you were like, Ooh. I love this, Sophia. You know, you got, you got to know this from Sophia. She's a thinker. Like I see. I see. We hung see. up and her brain just kept staying on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. it's, it's so, it, it, yeah, go ahead, Kathy, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, um, Mark, because I know it, it like hit you the same way it hit me. Like, I I feel like, Sophia, I love, I love that. I, I, well, first of all, I love that you kind of came back around and identified that, yeah, we had a conversation and it, we talked about these being uh, superficial and maybe they were superficial in the way that it affected you, but nothing's really superficial. And so I like that. I like, I like that sometimes to get to good ideas, you have to talk through ones that aren't good or they appear to be good, but you really have to think them all the way through. You don't want to end up with, you don't want to end up being like the Chevy Novo, right? That in another country means the no-go, the no-go car, right? Because <laughs> you didn't think it all the way through. You thought that's a really cool word. And in another language, it means something different. And so in this language that you speak of, of wellness or well-being, you know, I think it's important for, you know, you to, I, I love that you're, I love the positivity that you're bringing to this too, first of all. I love that what you're bringing to it is this positivity of everything can make an impact. And, you know, everything can spark a habit, anything can transform your life. And, and I, I don't know, I, I, I really like that. And I love, love, love this analogy. Like to me, it's funny, I'm a TED coach. So when, when you said, not, there's not one TED talk that can sweep all the rest, I was like 100,000%, right? There's no, there's all these ideas in the world. And, you know, it's why Mark and I have a great time on this show, because we'll hear something. And it's so different from what the next person will talk about. And the next person, and the next person, and all of these ideas have value. So I really, I, I like that as well. Sophia, who do you see as the audience for, for, for this next level of your idea? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, you know, typically I've worked with, you know, companies and organizations and specifically, you know, leadership at all levels. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that anybody who wants to improve their lives or who's working on themselves to grow and become better or accomplish something that matters to them, I think this uh, this concept has value to all of those people. You know, I think you know, from my experience of working with people for a long time, there's this tendency to look for the, you know, the silver bullet. It's like the one thing, like I'm going to go to, and I'm not picking on any of these people, you know, like I'm going to read, or I'm going to go to Tony Robbins and my life is going to change because I'm going to hear the one thing that's going to shift everything within me. But I am a product of my past, my current thinking behaviors, my experiences, that's a lot of things because the human experience is so rich and complex. One little thing is not going to change everything overnight and nor should we expect it to. Um, how fun would that be is if being a human was like downloading a new program and suddenly you wiped your operating system and it's Windows 15 or whatever it is right now. <laughs> you know, that's not how humans work. <laughs> And so, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I, what are your thoughts, Mark? Well, when you when you said that, I was I steered away from thinking about the perfect audience 
And I started thinking about this whole idea of, about demystifying the silver bullet. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's interesting, you're right. I think as humans, we get it. There's no silver bullet, there's no magic pill, there's no overnight success. And yet, I feel that we're still constantly looking for it. Mm -hmm. Like, give me the answer. I just forget all of it. Don't, don't give me 18 minutes of a TED talk. Give me one second of the answer. That's all I want. And that, that's what we, that's what we seem to crave. So it, it would be interesting in your idea to demystify. How do we demystify the silver bullet? How do we demystify the magic pill? How do we demystify the overnight success or the overnight results? Because that doesn't happen. You know, I always say the, the, the bane of human existence is patience, mm. right? We, we hate mm. waiting for anything, <laughs> right? And I often say, if you can invent something that will make people wait less for something, they will love you. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is we have to wait. We have to be patient right? To see all of those different results that you talk about. Like you think about the well-being and the wellness results that we're looking for. Listen, I know I'm not dropping 20 pounds in two days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. not happening. But, but, but I sure enough went to the department store and bought that bathing suit because my vacation to the beach is next week, right? Mm -hmm. so, it's, it's, so that's what I love about what you just shared is this whole idea about demystifying the silver bullet, the magic pill, and the overnight yeah. success. People need to hear that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, the challenge with that is that our society is so conditioned to clickbait solutions. And I just want to hear, I want to see the tweet and then, you know, take a pill and then my life is going to be changed. But that's, you know, we're, my mind, as you were talking, is going to, um, the concept of delayed gratification and like, cause I'm thinking, how can we increase our waiting power? Well, that there's a lot of different activities that you can do to increase your ability to wait. And it's that different, that's, that's for a lot of different levels. We talk, when you're looking at stress, like how can you put a bigger pause between stimulus and response, um, as a way to manage stress? It might be that, and that could be a breathing exercise, three deep breaths, belly breaths, whatever. It could be with food that I really want to eat that cookie. And so I'm just going to sit there and play in a game. I think it all comes down to games because we love games, right? And I want to eat that cookie. Well, first I'm going to let it sit right there and I'm going to look at the cookie, you know, and then I'll smell it and I'll play a game with myself. You know, if I eat a piece of broccoli, I'll eat half a cookie. You know, I think we can play <laughs> a lot of different things that we can do to exercise that muscle. A lot of people wouldn't like your game, Sophia, by the way. <laughs> I mean, there's a piece of broccoli and there's a cookie. <laughs> but it's a great game, though, actually, you know, in, in all seriousness, like to be able to, you know, have that muscle. I've been hearing lately about people, especially people that have been suffering from headaches, maybe from like EMFs, you know, this elect electromagnetic fields like to keep their phone away from them or are not in their room, you know, when they go to sleep. And then in the morning, just trying to like wait one hour before they ever touch their phone, which seems like a hundred thousand years. And yet it's the thing that we used to all suffer with the most is like, you know, being connected to screens and, and, you know, always charging batteries and whatnot. So it, it's, it's a valuable, I think it's a really good, valuable lesson for so many other things to just practice one discipline like that. By the way, I love the phrase, increasing your waiting power. Yeah, that is really um, good. Right? And it, yeah. the fact that you've empowered the yeah. process of waiting, which is what we don't necessarily have the power to do. Um, so I hope you wrote that phrase down. That was a really good one. <laughs> No, it's really awesome. Ah, oh, Sophia, I thank you for the, thank you for, you know, what a great comprehensive, like, come back around to what, what you've been thinking about since we last talked. It's, that that's really good. And I, and I love that about you. I love that that's even what you did with your company. It's why you changed the name of your company. Like you, you're always in this process of betterment. And I, and I love that about you and your clients get reap the benefit of that in, in high measures.
No pun intended on true measure, by the way. <laughs> hey, I did also want to check in. How's the broccoli challenge going? Yeah, the broccoli challenge. Mark, how's it going? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> the bro broccoli challenge is not going so. <laughs> <laughs> not going great. <laughs> but but I want to thank you for calling me out on it. Mm -hmm. Um because that's what we need sometimes, right? Um, I always say that my son, my youngest son is the broccoli champion in the house. Um, you know, when, when, we, when we decide we wanna go out for Chinese food, he doesn't get chicken and broccoli, he just gets broccoli, right? So I've dipped a little bit of broccoli in some of the meals, but I, I, I haven't done enough. I haven't, I, I haven't measured up. So thank you for re-challenging me. And we will check in again on my broccoli challenge. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't wait to hear how it goes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, oh, the shame. The shame. Oh, the broccoli shame. <laughs> so here's the thing. That's the thing with superficial cycles. It's there. There's no room for shame. There's no room for shame in any of this because any learning, every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. Like there's no such thing as a mistake. It's an opportunity to learn. And mm -hmm. we don't learn unless we reflect on mistakes. And so there could be a darn good reason, like there, you haven't been eating broccoli. There's other things. There's so many things going on in our life. There's like, no, and we already make ourselves so wrong as it is. Let's, you know, we don't need to beat up on ourselves anymore. It's like, Hey, oh yeah, I remember that was a great idea. I remember that maybe in a few weeks and I'll be thinking about broccoli out of the blue and maybe I'll decide to have chicken and broccoli for that meal. And that one little thought, that one little shift, that one little moment is the only impact necessary from that original conversation, maybe. Well, you know, Mark, it's because you're eating so much cauliflower that you can't, you have for broccoli in your life. I mean, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Right, I got you. <laughs> oh, Sophia, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to move on to our next guest because we we got to get to Trish. I'm excited to hear where Trish landed. Um, Sophia, what a great update! Thank you. Our next, our guest, our guest who is guest number six in the sixth uh, in the sixth season, the sixth episode was Jeff Jeff Davis. Now, Jeff Davis, I think somebody at one point had called him the Muhammad Ali of mental health. Isn't that right, Mark? <laughs> and, um, you know, when I, when I first met Jeff, he, what a kind hearted soul. One of the things that I loved from him is like, when he started telling us about his story, you know, about his story of, you know, thinking about ending his life and all the mental, you know, health challenges that he was going through and maybe how ashamed he might've been to share his story and not wanting to share his story, not having that personality of like, yeah, I wanna just go out and share this story with everybody, but then really understanding the only way to make a change in somebody else's life or to maybe help somebody that might be in that same place is to share your story. And so um, we had a great conversation with Jeff Davis on the power of sharing your story. And now look at him. I mean, he's so successful at sharing his story. I mean, TED Talk and book and, and, you know, I, I always think, Mark, I don't know about you, but when we have conversations with people, one of the things that I think is many times when people on our, on, are on our show, I'm like, oh my God, I love that you're out there doing that work. I personally wouldn't have time to do all the work that everybody that we talk to is doing. I mean, mm -hmm. Sophia is doing great work. Trish is doing great work. Jeff is clearly doing great work in the world, right? And I'm so grateful to have people out there that are willing um, to step out of their comfort zone and to share a story like that. But his whole message was to inspire us to share our own story. And, and Mark, you have a special connection to him because you met him. So tell us a little bit about that. I met Jeff in 2014. We were both in Toastmasters International. We had both advanced to the semifinals of the World Championship of Public Speaking, which for the first time ever was being held outside of the United States in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So Jeff and I both went out to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia and competed in the semifinals. That was when I learned, Jeff, 
in a foreign space was the first person I've ever known to travel that far with only a backpack and a suit and slept <laughs> on someone's couch. I got to tell you, hands down to Jeff, there's no way <laughs> I could have gone to Malaysia and slept on somebody's couch. There's no way I would have done it. Um, uh, uh, but 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 he's absolutely amazing. You're right. And from that moment and and after that that trip to Malaysia, just seeing Jeff, Jeff balloon as a professional speaker and to build his business and to come back and have that conversation with us. And Sophia, you mentioned games earlier, so I just want to transition and, and and give this nod to Kathy because she is the game master as well. That during that conversation with Jeff. We also came up with, or Kathy came up with, the empathy exercise, right? Because a big part of Jeff's story is, you know, not only speaking to people who may have struggles with their own mental health, but having conversations with people who might not realize that something they said could possibly trigger somebody else. And so teaching people how to be more thoughtful about how they respond to people so that we can all not only have more empathy, but to look out for each other. So yeah, and no, that was a great conversation with Jeff. So Jeff is on the other side of the planet, much further than Kathy is, because we all know Kathy's on the other side of the planet. And Trish, you are definitely on the other side of the planet. <laughs> but we're glad to have these international conversations, which brings me to this, Kathy. Mm -hmm. Our other international conversation started in the States, went overseas. <laughs> we had about 15 different conversations with Savas yes, uh, on the show. We, we had 15 million different intro calls because something was going wrong with electricity. And then we finally sit down for the episode. And Kathy is not at home but she's at home, but there's all kinds of storms and the lights go out and the electricity goes out. And we're like, Kathy, are you even safe here? And we ended up just having this whole conversation and rescheduling. Sabas is actually one of our first part one and part two episodes because the conversation was really great. And what I loved about the conversation was it was an idea about ideas and how ideas even move forward. He's in the, 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 the industry of film and documentaries. So he really knows the, the, the story and the life behind ideas. And one of the things that I really enjoyed that he said was that sometimes an idea just needs a, a subtle shift. Mm. All it may take is a subtle shift. There's no such thing as a bad idea, but you need a subtle shift to mm. make that idea reach millions of people. And I love what he added to that. And he said, brilliant writers need brilliant editors. So we always need somebody else to listen to our ideas and to look at things because they'll catch things. They'll catch things and teach us about that subtle shift we need to make an idea go from good to great. That's what I loved about that conversation with Savas. Yeah, I love that. And Savas and I had that interesting, you know, we talked about it. So for all of you who are wondering what Mark is talking about with the, the storm, my electricity went out when we were getting ready to start the episode. And, and then I, so I sat in the dark holding my cell phone the whole time. I think I was sitting on my windowsill. So I was getting a little bit of natural light but our conversation just went on for like almost an hour, I think. And, you know, I met Savas because he was working, I was working as a marketing director for a company and he ended up doing a TV show on what the company I was working for, we industrial shredders. And so we talked about even how we connected and, and how, how Mark and I are pretty much doing the same thing that a Hollywood producer is doing, which is the same thing that an author would be doing of a book. The same thing that Trish is doing, basically the same thing that Sophia is doing, right? It's like taking an idea and doing something with it. We're all doing that in our work. And so that was a, I love that we had, an, we had a talk 
an idea about ideas. Like our conversation was an idea about ideas. And so that was really great. Really great. Savas had two episodes. So um, check those out. One of them was in the dark. <laughs> and he was, he was in Atlanta at that time. And then he went back to London. So, um, but Trish, Trish Karen, we had, we had Trish come onto our show because of a mutual friend that we both know, or somebody that we met. Uh, one of my friends, Liz, introduced me to, to Trish and her work and was like, you have to have her on your show. Like she, I remember her messaging me like, like she's incredible. She's an engineer and she's talking about something so unengineered, but yet engineered at the same time. Like, right? How does that all fit together? <laughs> Trish, tell us a little bit about, about your idea and what we talked about and what you've been doing since. Okay, so my idea is called the platypus philosophy, and it's a way for us to approach looking at what are weak signals in our life that if we don't deal with them and manage them, they can go on and become an incident or an accident at some point into the future. So it's about creating more safety by preventing accidents, by recognizing it before it happens. And the challenge we've got is that as humans, we're generally not very good at seeing weak signals and certainly not very good at analyzing them. And it applies across engineering and process safety, which is my field of engineering that I work in. But it also applies more broadly across everything in life. And I think that really came out in our last conversation where I started to recognize some of the more broader applications of this whole idea and, and where it can go. So when I came on, I had just released a book. So I have my, my little book that I have um, released, The Platypus Philosophy. It is, um, it's selling quite well on Amazon still, which is fantastic. So people are engaging with this idea. And um, since our conversation as well, I actually had a chance to speak publicly about the, the platypus philosophy and do some public presentations on it. And I think I've done around eight presentations on it by now. So it's all of a sudden it's one that's become really, really popular um, and it really has grown a life of its own a little platypus and I do have my little platypus that I take everywhere with me as well <laughs> the platypus has grown a life of his own and uh, he even has his own passport now because he travels so much <laughs> and he appears all over the world and pops up where you least expect him and so that's fantastic as well and I've now got people that are so invested in the platypus and where the platypus is and what the platypus is doing that it is really starting to create this interesting traction. Trish, I love that. I, you know, it's so funny how you can have this great thing and like everybody's like, but we want to know where the platypus went. It's just that actually kind of shows you maybe goes back to what we were talking about with Sophia with some of our like attention spans and hey, you yeah. know what, whatever the hook is to get people to be interested. I would love for you to tell everybody right now, because I remember when we talked about the weak signal, could you talk about that a little bit more? I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Yeah, so a weak signal is what's seemingly unconnected data. Uh, it's just noise in the background most of the time. And often we just don't even see what they are. They just sort of appear and then they, they quickly disappear again. We don't really pay any attention to them. So it might be an alarm going off in, in a workplace. It might be in your car. It might be the check engine light that pops up and then it goes off and you think, oh, well, I don't need to worry about it because it's gone off now. But actually, was it telling you something really important at the time? So it's around recognising and understanding what some of these little ideas are. They're that unusual thing that happens that at the time you might actually think, oh, that was a bit strange. Or at the time, you might even not actually even consciously recognize that it happened. But if we sit back and reflect and just, you know, at the end of each day think, so what strange thing happened today? What unusual thing occurred? Mm. We might actually be able to bring that to the forefront of our mind and think, oh, that actually was unusual. I need to understand whether I've seen a duck or a platypus. So I might have, the weak signal that I glimpsed might have just been the, the bill, the bill of the platypus. And so you might think it's a duck because it's a duck bill. You mm -hmm. might think, okay, that's a duck. I don't need to worry about the duck because the duck won't hurt me. But if it is a platypus, a platypus can hurt you. So you mm -hmm. need to actually go through the process of sorting the data and looking at it in a different framework to see if you indeed have a platypus. And if you do, you need to manage it. Because if you don't manage it today, it'll hurt you tomorrow. Hmm. 
Wow. I, I love how tightly you compacted that into too as well, Trish. Like I can definitely tell you've been speaking on it for sure. <laughs> yes. it's, it's really good. And I love Mark. You, Mark pulled out one of the quotes that you said too, Trish, because one thing that I think Mark and I both found out about, I think Mark found out about a platypus just in general, right? Like, like yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like, you like we were talking about it, but I love, I, I love that, you know, the platypus had the bill of a, of a duck and then the tail of like a beaver. Is that right? Is that right, Trish? Yep. And, and you said, and the quote that you said is like the platypus is proof that the unlikely can happen. Because at yeah. first people didn't even believe that the platypus was a real, like like Mark, he didn't believe it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just a, a, a funny word that my friend used to use to describe himself as a DJ. DJ platypus. Yeah, <laughs> platypus. <laughs> On that note, I got to tell you, as, as, as you summarize the idea for us, Trish, I started wondering when people do start to see these weak signals, are there people who, and I'm gonna say yes, cause I've been in this, in this boat, who don't speak up about the weak signal. Mm. So my quick story is many years ago, way before my good friend called himself DJ Platypus, we were in a car, he was driving, he was the one with the driving experience but we were driving somewhere late. And I knew he was tired because I saw him nodding off. Weak signal. Mm. But now we're in the car and I see him dozing off some more. Weak signal, but I don't say anything. And now he's on cruise control because he believed in cruise control. And can I tell you that I think I almost was not here with all of you today because I saw the weak signal and said nothing. As I saw the car we were in come about this close to the car in front of us. Mm. And somehow he woke up and slowed down the car. But I saw the weak signal and I didn't say anything. Mm. And not saying anything about the weak signal could have cost me my life. So I'm wondering next next chapter of the of the platypus philosophy, how do you address people who see the weak signal but don't say anything about the weak signal? Yeah. So that's a really common thing that happens, particularly in workplaces around safety. So people will see something that they think is a weak signal or that is absolutely beyond even the weak signal and we're now into this is an incident that is about to happen and they don't speak up about it they don't raise their voice and say hey there's a problem here we need to do something and I think one of the issues there's a couple of issues here one is that generally we don't reward people for being curious because it just makes more work for us so we need to reward people to be curious in life. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. asking questions is a good thing. We should not be scared of being challenged and having questions asked of us. But so often we are because we take it as a personal attack. We take it as someone, you know, critiquing what I'm doing. But questions help us improve things. And the second part of it is, is that to be able to encourage that curiosity, people need to be safe to be able to speak up. And so that's where the movement around psychological safety in the workplace is all about. You know, how do I actually create an environment where people can speak up without any fear of retribution for what they speak up with? Now, that does not give people free license to be horrible and to be mean. Mm. Right. But what it does is give people a safe place to say, I think there's something wrong here. I'm not sure. So can we look at it again? And, you know, I often talk to people about particularly younger engineers, you know, how do they challenge an older, more experienced engineer in the field? How do they actually ask a question without it be it seeming to be offensive and a young know-it-all just trying to show up the the, the more experienced person? And so I talk to them about, you know, one of my favourite ways of suggesting that something might be wrong is actually just asking someone to explain it to me again because I don't quite understand. Can mm -hmm. you just take me through this so I understand? 
So you're taking the pressure off the person. It's not about you don't know what you're doing. It's I'm not sure what's going on here. Can you help me understand? Usually people will then come to the realisation that what they're doing is wrong when they have to explain it to someone else. Because as you know, you can't teach something until you know it. Mm -hmm. So get them to the point of understanding and making their own realisation first. And then it can be actually quite fascinating to watch where you see them change their argument mid-argument. I've seen that happen quite a few times. And they argue that they never said their first thing. And you go, okay, that's fine. Because it's not about egos. It's about outcome. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I know, Mark. I know, right? It's not about egos. It's about outcome. There goes the pen. I love that. Oh, it's awesome. And and the platypuses, people, as I said, have become really invested in it. So someone that I consulted on um, with the book who got feedback, because as you said, you know, everybody needs an, an editor to look at it and challenge the ideas. Mm-hmm. So she actually also is very into art and she made me this little platypus escaping out of a box with a weak oh. signal and a warning sign and asking yeah. questions and being curious. So, you know, to commemorate the uh, the idea and the book. And so... You know, a lot of people are getting engaged in it. I was walking down a corridor at a conference and someone came up to me and went, you're the platypus woman. Um, <laughs> and I just went, yes, yes, my message has got through. Yes, you remember the platypus. That's what it's about. You're going to think about that weird Australian lady that talked about platypuses. And at that moment, you're then going to think, oh, what is the weird thing here? What's that weak signal I need to look for? Love it. Anytime you can be known as something, Trish, it's really good. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Trish, thank you so much. And thank you for entertaining how you've taken what has now become multiple talks into a series. Awesome. Awesome. And I love the quote. I got to say it again. It's not about egos. It's about outcomes. I love that. that. even, even, Even a summary about conversations produces more ideas. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Well, Kathy, we had two more people to wrap up season six. And the first of those last two was our our good friend, Linda Dooley, who always says, make sure you, Kathy and I know about spelling names correctly. Mm -hmm. Dooley is D-U-L-Y-E, right? And Linda, I met through a friend, through a former guest, as a matter of fact, on, on our show. And I went to her leadership retreat and we really bonded very well. And I loved how she came on a converse, on our conversation to talk about conversations because she considers herself a crusader for conversations mm-hmm. because, how many times can I say the word conversation? Because conversations don't happen enough in our everyday lives. And especially because of the pandemic and things of that nature, we're just seeing how uncomfortable people are getting with starting, holding, and even ending conversations. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that Linda had written on LinkedIn the other day as a response to her episode, one particular point that she really jumped on was the idea of the kiddie table. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea that we sometimes have a separate table for the children and we don't engage them in, I don't even want to call it adult conversation, just group conversation. Because if we don't incorporate them into the conversation, how are they learning how to have conversations? So her, her she came in talking about all kinds of people, but it really resonated with her to talk about saving the conversation of our children. Yeah, I love that, Mark. And I love that we played a little game and we were like, how do we, how do you end a conversation if it needs to be ended? <laughs> so that was a fun <laughs> little game that we played on the on the episode. So good, so good. And so our final episode with Kinja Dixon. Okay, wow. Wow on so many reasons. Okay, number one. Okay, listen to this mess. Kinja's from New York, but he was in New York, so he's West Coast. I'm from the West Coast in Portland, but I was in New York. And so we decided to have our episode where Mark and I went into um, a studio in Brooklyn, and we were both together live in the studio. First time ever, six seasons, never been sitting in the same room doing doing an episode together. And then we had Kinja on a laptop in front of us. (laughs) And... uh, 
Kinja, wow, here is another, here's another big light in the world of somebody who, I mean, how did he describe this, Mark? I just remember this feeling where he was sitting around and he was like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not healthy, I'm overweight, I don't, like, he was like, the how he was feeling about himself, you know, and Sophia, probably to your point, he just probably realized, he, he had a moment where he realized, forget what I did in the past, I can do something about it right now, and so he decided to kind of transform his life, and, and he came up with this, like, he has this like four, he has a, he has four pillars that he kind of talks about and it's, and it, it gets, it's more than just the physical. It's like taking all the areas in your life and helping to turn your life force into a progressive, you know, into something that you can do. And I, I loved it. And it was like every day, like creating a daily action. And I think Mark, if I'm right, this was what he said. He said, we are all works in progress and what we may have considered our worst could be our best. So the thing that be, was our worst could possibly be our best. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. And remember, we we, we joked around with the FEC score or- The FEC, FEC yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But each of those letters, P, H, E, and K, stood for different areas in our lives. And one of the things that really stood out to me was he spoke about how, you know, we need to watch the, the levels of these mm -hmm. particular areas. But ultimately, what we're looking for is to be leveled in our life. And he asked this question. We all, after that conversation, came up with the question, is your life leveled? Mm -hmm. And that was a really powerful question to really emphasize this point. And as a coaching note, what I also loved about that conversation is, Kathy, you might remember this. When he started off, he so eloquently, like a spoken word artist, told us his idea. It was probably about, I don't know, 23,000 words. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking with them, Kenja. I'm joking with them. Um, but but it was it was a long phrase, but it flowed out of his mouth so well. And by the time we finished the conversation, we were able to take that very long statement of an idea and chisel it down to something that would get people to open up his book and read more. Because he also has a book. We got authors here. So he also authors. has a book here. <laughs> and uh, we just want more people to read his idea. So that was Kendra. That was Linda. That's Trish, that's Sophia, that was Savas, that was Jeff, that was Scott, that was Redway, that was Carlin, and that was Leo, all in a half dozen of joy with my sister, Kathy Armias, who I always say, during this pandemic, there were a lot of tough things that came out of the pandemic, but one of the best things that came out of the pandemic was my good sister calling me and saying, I have an idea and me <laughs> saying I'm all in and six seasons later we are blessed to sit here and have a conversation with some amazing people Trish thank you for joining us from the other side of the planet Sophia thank you for joining us and challenging me to that broccoli um I'm gonna be on it I'm gonna be on it Trish go ahead you got something to say no, just going to thank you for the opportunity. It's been great to have a conversation and I got so much value out of it. So thank you for taking your time and sharing it with me. Mm, thanks, Trish. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Sophia. This is such a great experience. It was fun on the first episode and this recap has been amazing and something that really stuck with me today, Kathy, is something that you said about how we're all doing great work. So many people are doing great work and there's no way that any one person could do all of that or make that kind of impact. And to me, that just emphasized how important all the work is that all these great people are doing about these fantastic, amazing ideas. And so thank you both for creating a focus around this. Awesome. Thanks, Sophia. Definitely our pleasure. Definitely our pleasure to everybody who's watching. Oh, we look forward. We've had so much fun over these six seasons. We are looking forward. So we hope you look forward to season seven 
of It's About to Go Down. More great idea conversations coming your way. More amazing people with amazing ideas coming your way. We could do this forever and ever and ever. We're definitely going to be doing it for a long time. Kathy, you know I got all the love for you in the world. Um, and so happy you could come to Brooklyn for some Brooklyn pizza while you were here. I love did. It. I got some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, listen, for everybody, just remember, as season seven and an impending season eight comes and seasons after that, if you have an idea, if you know somebody who's got an idea and you'd like to have that idea conversation with us, and so that you can not only share the idea, but come back and wrap it up at the end of the season. Go to our website. It's about to go down show. Check out episodes on YouTube and our various different platforms all the time. Every time it's been an absolute joy. And we hope you join us next time on It's About to Go Down.